Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Dennis. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Happy Monday. Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Big show. We got a lot to get to. Markel Fultz. More drama on him. There was NBA trades. I can't even follow what's happening because of the mishaps that were taking place right. on social media with the trades. We'll break down those. Um, we're going to get to the entire weekend of NFL action. We're going to get Pete Prisco in here in just a couple minutes to help us break down uh, yesterday's games as well. But first, I want to get you updated. Okay. All right, because we have more teams that have officially been eliminated from yeah. the NFL playoffs. I think it's been a great season because I think it's actually taking longer than it normal does. Like, there are more teams that statistically have had Still a chance. Have. Yeah. So let's update it because previous teams, you had Bills, Raiders, Cardinals, Jets, Jags, 49ers. Out. Correct. Well, After yesterday... Now, these are some surprises on here. Falcons, Deuces. done. And there were a team that, you know, some people thought yeah. could contend in the NFC. Lions, done. Uh, that's not a huge shock. Giants, done. Yeah. Bucks, done. Packers, which is, the, I think, the, probably the most surprising of this group. Broncos and Bengals all eliminated from the playoffs yesterday. So good luck to those coaches getting those players to play hard in the last couple weeks of the season. Because that's one where you know it's just that this will be the talk. Today's, like, or tomorrow is, so they will have films and weights today off, t- off Tuesday, Wednesday morning. When they come yep. to practice, they'll get the, hey guys, you're playing for your job. Like, we have another <laughs> and like, because you know everybody's starting to collect checks. Like, that's right. Showing up to collect your check. And it's the hardest time for a coach to be in a position where you're trying to motivate guys when there's nothing on uh, the line. We're talking moving company scheduled. <laughs> yes. You're the dialogue with your wife about where we're going to go for the first three weeks of the postseason. Like yep. this is all these plans start to take place. This is no longer about football in any of these places. And this is when, you know what else happens? Those little ha- hammies. Oh, a little what? bit tighter. Ooh, yeah. Man, that hamstring is bothering me. I don't know if I can go this weekend. Correct. Start shutting it down. Correct. Well, so good luck to those coaches uh, trying to do that. Uh, all right, so Steelers beat the Patriots yesterday in the 4 o'clock game. That was really the premier game. Patriots were favored up that one. Uh, the Steelers come away, though, and I thought the Patriots starting to look their age somewhat, and I don't think it's just Tom Brady. I think the entire... You know, it's, it's Gronk starting to look older. Everybody looks looking old. slower. People, they're just, they're not as dominant as they were. And I know I've been up and down on this team all year. I am out on this team doing anything in the playoffs except getting bounced in the first round. They need the, they need that first round buy more than, more than maybe anybody that's going to get in the playoffs. I think, um, you know, if they were to get that, I'd, I'd give them a little more hope. Um, first of all, I don't know how Rob Gronkowski ever gets open. Right. Like honest to God, I mean, he looks not, he looks like a robot. He's got all the braces, but he moves so slow and he lumbers. Like, I guess it's a testament to how good he really is, but I can't figure out well, for the life of it's kind of like, it literally is like when you throw it to the low post and it's just, he looks covered and he just puts his arm up and it's like it's an arm's that like, much bigger. That arm, yeah, he can just body up to people. Uh, let's get in our guy, uh, Pete Prisco. He's going to join us now to uh, help us break this game down. Are you, cause I feel like you never want to write off the Patriots, but I look at them, I'm just like, I am not impressed by this team, by this roster, or anything they're getting done on the field. Are you with me on writing them off as far as doing any damage in the playoffs? No, not yet. I mean, it's still Belichick and Brady, but I, I get it. I mean, I, I look at this team and I go, boy, the, you know, Gronkowski's lumbering around, doesn't look like he's as sudden as he used to be. Uh, they don't get much production from the outside guys. We thought Josh Gordon would come in there and light the world on fire. He hasn't done that. 
uh, and defensively, although they played a pretty good game against the Steelers, they've had issues as well going back to the Miami game a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I get it. I understand it. But until Brady and Belichick are sitting on the sidelines, there's still a major threat in the AFC. And, oh, by the way, who in the AFC is any good? I mean, everybody points to the Chiefs. They, you know, they have defensive issues. We'll see what they can do when they go to Seattle this week. Uh, the Chargers, okay, but people say the Chargers choke in the playoffs. I don't buy it, but they say that. And then look at the Steelers. They were coming off a bad uh, stretch of games as well. So who in the AFC is any good? And until Brady and Belichick are on the sidelines, they're always a threat in the postseason. Pete, let me ask you. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady is 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 on the like the tail end of the decline, but you you have seen some chinks in the armor lately with the uh you know the failed timeout going into the half against Miami. Like that was a mental hiccup you don't usually see out of Brady. Uh, and then the the bad turnover yesterday, where even pedestrian quarterbacks get that things out of bounds. Like, what do you attribute this? I mean, for any other quarterback, it wouldn't be a big deal, but for the goat, you don't usually see back to back games with these type of like mental hiccups. No, you don't. And, and that was a, a bad play. He made a couple bad plays. And he didn't give guys chances to make their plays at the end of the game either. You know, for, the interception was an awful throw. I mean, he's off his back foot just trying to throw it up and make a play. That was a bad decision. But late in the game, when he had a chance in the end zone to fire a few shots in there, he didn't give his guys a chance to make plays. He overshot him a couple different times. And if you go back and look at the, the last play where he tried to squeeze it in there to Edelman, he had Patterson clearing on the back line for what should have been a touchdown. Normally Brady will make that throw. He didn't. He kind of panicked and got rid of the football. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's not been the same Tom Brady. They have not been the same New England Patriots. Uh, but sometime, at some point, they're going to win the next two. They're going to win a division. They will be in the playoffs, and they will be a dangerous team come playoff time. I think you really hit on something good there. That, that last drive, the last four downs, when they got it down in the red zone, they were close enough to start dialing up some pretty good shots. They weren't even close, and it was pretty bad there. So I think that was a pretty good uh, observation by you. Let's look at last night's game because that was one where Philly goes on the road. They're playing the Rams. Rams are fighting for you know a home field spot, and Philly goes in there. And puts up 30 points on them. They pressure Jared Goff. Like, how concerned are you with the Rams? And I saw, I saw you tweet it out again. Like, and it's a very good, you said, you said it for a few weeks now. Is anybody good? Like, what do you do with the Rams after watching them get, get beat at home by the Eagles with a backup? You know, the thing, and, and things will point, people will point to Goff and Gurley not being the same guy. But for me, the biggest difference in this team the last couple of weeks has been the offensive line. The offensive line has been a, a strong suit of this team the, for most of the season. And I'm talking about Whitworth at left tackle, Havenstein at right tackle, Blythe that played great at guard, uh, Saffold in the center, John Sullivan. Well, they're getting whipped now. The last two weeks, they've been whipped up front. And that's why the offense hasn't looked at good. People want to point to, and Goff wasn't good either last night, and he wasn't, he was really not good a week before. But you look at the rest of the group up front. That's what their calling card has been. They run that zone play. And, you know, the, the outside zone, and they predicate everything off of that. And when they can't run it, they're not working. The offense isn't working. So I'm concerned about that, but also on the defense. I mean, you had so many busts uh, in the secondary. This is a group that's paid a boatload of money. They made all those moves to go get the corners in Tlaib and Peters, and they're just not that good uh, on the back end right now. So there is concern there. The next two weeks are soft. They'll get regrouped. And again, another team in the postseason that we're seeing a little slump from. But whoever gets hot, that's the team that's going to win it all. They all have flaws. Every single team in this league has major flaws. There's no dominant team. The one that gets hot is the one that will win it. Hey, let's talk about the Eagles, Pete. Um, obviously, I mean, still mathematically alive there in that division. Um, Nick Foles, he seems to come in. I don't know if it's just me. Like, I know Carson Wentz is the better quarterback. I understand that. 
but the team really does seem to respond to Nick Foles and he you know, he got hot at the right time last year. They rode it all the way to a Super Bowl. Like, is there some real magic there with Nick Foles and the way the team responds to him? No, I don't think so. I mean, he just played a good game last night. And then, you know, look, he, he's a serviceable quarterback is what he is who got hot in the postseason. You saw the graphic they put up from his 10 regular season games. He was as average as they come. And he was average in the beginning of this season. He, he Look, he had a great postseason aside from the Atlanta game. People forget he wasn't very good in the Atlanta game. But he had, the, you know, the big time game against the Vikings where they kind of ambushed him. And then he had a great Super Bowl. But he's average. And, and they just played better as a team. Defensively, they played better. They had been an awful defense for much of the last five weeks. I mean, they couldn't stop the run. The secondary's have been a major problem, and yet they play better on defense, and I think that helped the team as a whole. Nick Foles is average. He's not going to take the team to the Super Bowl again. He's not going to win it again. We need to slow the roll on that one. Yeah, I think that was just a, it was kind of they recaptured the magic from last year yeah. once. I don't think they're going to be able to do it the rest of the okay. season. Okay. That was one of those spots. And if you really watch Foles, he got lucky on some plays like that he, cause I think when he, when he's on the offensive side, when he's, when he's calling the shots, he throws the ball earlier, mm-hmm. trusts the system a little bit more than Carson Wentz, which is great, but it also like can put you in some really bad spots. There were a couple dropped interceptions I think could have impacted that game too. All right, Pete, what about the Bears? Because Danny, the Bears, yeah, Danny what, what, what? Let me ask you, hey, wait, Danny. Danny, as a quarterback, the, the throw where the two receivers are wide open standing there, he waited a half hour to me. It should have been an easy throw for a touchdown. Yes, he did. They could have fair caught that one underneath it. But again, it goes like, what about the Rams defense? Like, how do they let that play happen? I think the, I think also Jared Goff is getting way too much heat on this one. He hasn't played great the last three games, but he's not the guy that gave up 30 points in this one. I think more of the concern should be with that Rams defense, which is supposed to be all world coming into the season. They have not lived up to the hype. The defense that has lived up to the hype are the Bears. And they came out, I thought it was a seminal win for them being able to knock off the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, they get over that hump. He's owned them for quite some time. My question for you is we've seen defenses win Super Bowls with average quarterbacks like the Ravens did, um, you know, with Flacco, like they did with Trent Dilfer before that. Um, you know, we've seen these types of formulas work. Is this Bears defense that good where they could take this team all the way to the Super Bowl? I mean, the defense is good enough. I worry about the offense. And you you know, mentioned those teams that won with bad quarterbacks. Most of those teams could run the ball. You know, they could power. You know, when the Seahawks won with a limited Russell Wilson that one year because he wasn't the same guy he is now, they ran the ball. I mean, and, and I worry about the run game for the Bears. I know they do a creativity, creativity, um, creatively. Uh, they do it very well. I'll get that out. Um, but they, to me, they just don't line up and run the ball when they need to. I just don't think they're good enough to do that, and that's my concern. Because they can scheme up a lot of guys open. Let's let's be honest about it. I mean, they can scheme up guys in the run game. They can get that you know that the jet sweep action going. They can do a lot of different things. But I don't know if when push comes to shove if they can line up and play power football. And that to me is what you have to do at some point in the postseason. You throw the score, you run the win. And I don't know if they're good enough to run the football. All right, Pete. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Have a good Monday. All right, guys, take care. All right, Raja, one of the biggest wins yeah. of the weekend 
was our boy. boy. Stop, please. Our boy. Say your boy. You know who won that game? Listen, so Pete just talked about running the ball. (laughs) Yes, he did. Right? He just talked about running the ball, teams that run the ball, when they don't have a fantastic quarterback. You know what the Vikings have not been doing this year? (laughs) Until they they fired John Filippo, And guess what they did yesterday? They ran the football. Ran the football, right? 19 carries as opposed to 10.9 for the rest of the season. They ran the ball. He is the star on that team offensively. Yeah. Not your boy, in my opinion. Seriously. (laughs) Kirk Cousins is okay. That is the star on the team in terms of, like, better than most people at his position in the NFL. Give him the ball. I don't know if you remember me saying this. In the preseason, I did say Dalvin Cook healthy back from an ACL, and there was reports when he was in camp that he was looking had this new burst and he looked even better. I thought he was more integral to their success than than Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is the type of guy, as he had some success on the first drive when he threw a play-action touchdown, if you have a run game, right. he can really exploit you, and he can throw the play-action pass really well, and you start to find favorable matchups. And it's funny because it's not a formula that works just with them. It's everywhere. Look at the Cowboys. Look how bad they looked when their run was shut down. It's a cr- Look at the Seattle. The Seattle here in these standings that they're showing up, it's because they've been running, running the football. The ball, it's funny because it's a theme that's been happening across the NFL. Is we've become enamored with all these... High flying offense. around offenses, Young yeah. Quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes been awesome. He's been throwing it everywhere. But defense and run game have kind of started to creep in where we're like, uh oh, these teams are old fashioned and they get it done, but they get it done when it matters. Every, it's every sport, man. When, once it comes down to playoff time, defense, it, it becomes even more integral to have a solid defense and with football, a run game. And you see it with the Kansas City Chiefs when they lost Kareem Hunt. They didn't stick to running the ball, uh, uh, when they were up against who was that, uh, the Chargers, right? Yeah. Like you're not the same offense. You see it even with, with the Rams. Like I know Sean McVay is this offensive genius, but now people are like, look, dude, we're going to, we're going to cover all of this stuff. We're going to, we're not going to commit to the run. Like see if you're committed to running Todd Gurley, who is the special one on that offense also. See if you're committed to running him. Let him try to beat us for 150, 160 yards. He won't do it. Right. He's not patient enough to do it. He still wants to chuck it around, and they're not the same offense. You Defense and running the game, running the ball, have been a tried-and-true like formula for winning football games in the playoffs yep. since the inception of football, <laughs> exactly. since and it was invented. And it really you're, hasn't changed. As much as we fell in love with all these guys, correct. it hasn't changed that much. And I don't think it will, especially when you see weather creep in. Yeah. Things started to get a little bit nasty. I had a brutal weekend gambling. 0 for 5 on our picks. Those were stupid bowls. Like, don't gamble on bowls. Who wants to, who wants to bet and pick those five awful I didn't, but I was 3 and there. 2. The only two I lost awful were when bowl. I sided with you, bro. <laughs> awful bowl games that were out there. They weren't even close. Some of these coaching staffs only had four dudes on App State. I think only had four coaches on their sideline. They still ended up win. But this game, I, I did take a couple of props in this game. Okay. Because I took the quarterback passing stats. So they, passing yardage, total uh, quarterback yardage. For Tannehill, it was like 217. I was like, oh, he's got to get 217. Yeah. He throws for 108, didn't even sniff it. 108 yards. That's pretty hard to do through <laughs> that battle, though he was sacked seven times. Kirk Cousins yeah. had 250.5, uh-huh. uh, 215. So I had an awful game on that one as well. So if Lost you're feeling our pain, took any of those awful bull picks, just know it hurt me as well. And that score, that was a, that was, I'm going to say this. That was a big win for the Vikings because Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I give you that for his certainly for his uh, win against the Dolphins. Yeah, and I mean I don't know if there was that much difference in the play call, but there was more of a commitment to the run, so it definitely helped them there. The chilling new original docu series on Paramount Plus. 
Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. We never, we never gave ourselves a chance. If anything, we were angry at ourselves. It wasn't any finger pointing. It wasn't, hey, I'm looking at this guy. That guy's looking at me. Offense is one of looking at the defense. None of that. I mean, if anything, we're all coming together saying, hey, in a way, we needed this. I mean, I, I don't know if we thought we were too hot to trot or whatever on our five-game win streak or whatever it was, but uh, we simply just got beaten every uh, facet of the game. Uh, simple as that. Offense, defense, and the kicking game, and we didn't give ourselves a chance. And when that happens, uh, you just got to come together and clean it all up. All right, how many times have I told you that if you want to know if the Cowboys won or lost, you just go look at the box score? Yep. And all you have to do is look and see, did Ezekiel Elliott get it going or not? Were they able to get him over 100 yards? No, he only had 87. Now, yep. 87 sounds like close. It's just he never felt like they got him rolling. Like, right. that's what they need. Uh, Dak Prescott, 39 attempts, I think is a little bit too high. I don't think it's egregiously high, but I'd like to see him around 32, 33 attempts, which means you're running the ball better. But I look at this team, so... I was high on the Cowboys, right? I was sitting there saying this team could win the Super Bowl. I'm not willing to jump off that bandwagon yet. Like I still, you should, like I you should, you should. should. You think I should? I so you think the formula Super Bowl. Is, I think Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl is lofty, but like there aren't. And this is the Pete Prisco's point. Like right. we talked a lot about a lot of these teams. Everybody has these duds that they put out. Like, uh, yes, right? like totally. The, the Saints were the team. They put up a dud against the Cowboys. Yesterday, the Cowboys go to the Colts. We saw the Patriots didn't look great against the Steelers. Kansas City has not had a dud all year. Kansas City has had a dud. No, no Hold duds, though. Hold on. All three losses, I think, under three points. Like, they, they're going to get beat because yeah, you right. kick a field goal at the end of the game. That's like, true. you know what I mean? Like, except their defense is an, as in an entirety is a dud. Is a dud. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. That fair would enough. Be my, fair enough. But, like, but I think to your, like, to what you're saying, and what I'm trying to say is that they're just, there's a lot of teams that are good. I don't know if there's any great team, which is once you get to the playoffs, it's yeah. wild. I think it'd be, inter- it'll be really fascinating and fun to watch. And hard to pick who's going to win out. But as far as this one game goes, I'm not ready to panic just yet on the Cowboys. Like I'm not ready to say, oh, they're going to get bounced or they're not as good as I thought they were. I think they ran into a really good team, played in a tough environment. I think the Colts are playing really good. Well, that's what I was going to say. First of all, I'm not ready to hop off uh, either with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are what we thought they were. No, I, I mean, no one ever thought that they were like the best team in the NFL. Like they can they can have a bad game, right? But I think more importantly, this is the second. Uh, good team that hasn't been talked about enough. Like the Chargers are number one, but the Colts are number two. They're playing really, really good football right now. And part of winning championships in any sport at any level is playing your best ball at the right time. And that means you're trending and you're playing better going into the playoffs. They're seven and one in their last eight games. Um, if they continue to trend, they are going to be as dangerous as anyone um, in the playoffs just because they're playing their best football at the right time. For sure. And Andrew Luck has been, you know, he's had this resurgence now. That he's healthy. Frank Reich has called much better plays for him. He's not getting hit as much. They had that streak without sacks. Like he, this team is one that, again, it's like they've been flying under the radar. They're a very, very dangerous team to face at the next round. Do you th- are you with me though? Like I, so, when they started to win, the Cowboys, when they went on this, when it was like a two or three game, yeah. this is when I was still very doubtful. I was like, you know what? This might be a bad thing for the Cowboys if they do get better because then you're going to be back with Jason Garrett. Yep. You're still going to have Dak Prescott. And then you're going to be kind of the status quo. It's going to be like, here you are again next year. Like, 
is that still what I should feel, do you think? Or do you think they've shown you enough to believe in, hey, Jason Garrett can get it done. Dak Prescott is the franchise quarterback. We're good with this crew. We can just move forward with them, and we'll figure it out and figure out a way to get better. No, I think that they fall in the same boat as the Dolphins for me, who are ranked 7-7 seven and seven right now, could feasibly be 9-7. and seven. Maybe they limp into a playoff spot. Maybe not. You're 8-8, eight and eight, right? Maybe enough to keep people's people around and give you some hope. You can roll some injuries out there and right. give you a bunch of reasons why you didn't just get two more wins. But I believe both of those franchises they need to make changes. Like they're not so you're currently still good enough. If the Cowboys need to clean, you're up. not you're not good enough, right? right? And and so like you're good enough to have me here year in and year out. Which is like, am I getting in? I'm not getting in. I got a a, a bad like pick in the NFL draft. Like I, I don't think that that is what cowboy fans deserve. I don't think that like the biggest brand in football should be aspiring to be that every year. I think you need to make a change yep. and give yourself the best possible opportunity to to win a championship. All right, I put you on the spot and I'm going to totally take a cop out here. Here's yeah. what I would say. I need to see the t- last two games. I need to see how it finishes cuz yep. they they should win. They'll be favored against the Bucks at home, then they have to go on the road to Giants. Giants are shutting it down. They're out of the playoffs like yep. you should win out. And if you get to 10 and 6 and you go in the play, and then I would even say Let's see what you do in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Because if, if it's ugly and you get embarrassed in the playoffs, then I'm thinking about making a change because you've been right around the same as you've been under Jason Garrett's tenure. I don't know. This probably sounds really stupid, but 10 and 6 is so different than 9 and 7 for me. Oh, I don't know. Like, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like 10 and 6 and you're in, you're in the playoffs and we got a shot and you don't get rolled in the first round. Right. I'll feel a lot different than I would if you're 9 and 6, um, and it kind of plays out. You should be 10 and 6. The way their schedule sets up, you should be nine and, uh, 10 and 6. If you're 9 and 7, nine then it's seven. a disappointment. And I think it's easy for Jerry Jones to make a change. The other thing, like I think it's it's easy for him to make a change at coach. Yeah. I still don't know what to do with Dak. Because I think Dak is a good quarterback. But I think the worst situation you're in in the NFL is if you have just a good, not great, a good quarterback and you have to pay him. Because you're going to get strapped by the salary cap. There's so many and, people that do that. Though. I know. Exactly. I mean, they're, look at Tannehill. Like, he was the same kind of, he had shown some promise and they, you know, they paid him all this money. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's hadn't been healthy, but they haven't been very good with him. And then you have to spend to put around him to uplift his play. Would you imagine like they have Andy to, Dalton, they have to pay Dak like they paid, uh, Ryan Tannehill? If, yeah. I think because if you're Dak and you're, you're coming, you're saying, I'm a franchise quarterback. The going rate is 25. Yeah, but what, there's, is there a market? Is there a market for Dak? Like, I know Dak wants that, but who's going to say, all right, if you don't pay him, we're going to pay Dak that kind of money? Somebody. Really? Probably. Somebody will. Uh, well, good for thing. Dak. Good for Dak. Yeah, no, I he'll mean, get paid. I yeah. just, but like, if you're Dak, I think this is a situation. And it was similar to, I think it was Brock Osweiler when he was kind of up and he went and took the big pay to Houston. I had a feeling like for him, I was like, you know what? He'd be better off for his career longevity. Yeah. Taking a little less money, not getting the huge deal so that you can spend it around you. Have some pieces. Have some pieces around you. And then as opposed to having the one big contract pay, maybe you have two or three, like one big, you'll have a nice con, then you restructure and you kind of restructure. Right. You'll make more money over the long haul sure. because you gave yourself a better chance for success. I think sure. that's what Dak would be good. Now, the question is, how does that, does that what Dak wants to do? Is that what his agent tells him to do? Because the agent's probably going to say, go for as much as you can. Go for the, you know, get as much guaranteed, which is not a bad, a horrible bit of advice, but I would almost say like bet on yourself and what you can do over the long haul, given what's around you. Usually the guys that do that are already established right. stars. Like you've got Tom Brady that might take a little less, right? you got Drew Brees, yep. take a little less. Like they're in the twilight. They've already established who they are, their legacy, and they're trying to win championships. So it would be, it would actually be refreshing to see Dak do it. 
I would just I would say in like, today's day and age of quarterbacks taking the biggest bag they can get. I, right. I don't know that that's going to be it. Uh, so it was funny because you know speaking of big contracts, Eli Manning uh, is re- was reported to be back with the Giants. Ian Rappaport on Sunday before in a the consultant's game. role. Before the game. Hold on. No, no, no. In the uniform? As a quarterback, under center. A quarterback? Starting or quarterback. The, oh, quarterback. <laughs> okay. Had to make $16.5 million. Ian Rappaport, before the game, it's very key to note, before the game, he is, from what I understand, this is his quote, playing his way onto the roster in 2019. Sources I talked to were adamant. No decision has been made firmly. This is an off-season situation. But the way he's been playing, the way he has held up, certainly opens up the possibility that he is back in 2019. Something which, if you talked about early in the season, we all would have thought you were crazy. Here's what I'll say. Okay. I've said this on here a couple times. Yep. I've tried to warn Giants fans because they all assumed, hey, we're going to go draft a young quarterback and we're going to let go of Eli. If you're Dave Gettleman and coming into the season, your plan was put the pieces around Eli. We yep. still believe in him. If we put the pieces around him, he can succeed and take us to a Super Bowl. What had changed? Because the plan that failed wasn't necessarily Eli. It was the offensive line. Sure. And it was that was really the big failure was that they did not protect him. Because if you looked at his numbers throughout the season, yeah, there were some ugly games, but they were better than he'd been in his career. His uh, completion percentage was up. Yep. Playing better. It's, you know, he'd been playing actually pretty well. So I'm like, if you're Dave Gettleman, it wasn't a one-year Eli. It was a two-year plan. So that's why I think even aside from yesterday's game, which was bad for him, and they got embarrassed at home, I still think he will be the quarterback in 2019. Look, I think that's Gettleman's belief is this was a two-year plan. I think they'll try to increase get the offensive line better. Like I, I think that's what they're going to do. Okay, so don't pay him sixteen million. Pay him like ten million. Let him be your quarterback and take that six million and go sprinkle it around to get some more pieces. But here's why. Th- that's why you talk about a stat. I think Eli would be smart to do that. I yeah, think he, absolutely. Especially from what you've seen, save that. I would agree with take ten. Give six to an offensive lineman or Correct. some other Protect weapon. your backside a little bit. My legacy, I just want to enhance my legacy. And I'm not the money. I wouldn't be mad at the Giants for that. And oh. I'm not mad. I I think it's also smart by Eli. But here's what I would say about the Giants and the two year plan. I'm cool with that. Like I talk a lot of crap about Eli. All I want you to do is have the backup plan to start to yes. take place. So if in this year's draft you hop up there, I don't know, with the number Dwayne one, Haskins, and you've yeah. got Dwayne Haskins, yep. and he's high on your board. Take the swing. Get the like the secession plan in place. Yep. Keep Eli. Yeah. Let that kid learn on the job. Like, let him sit there and watch a good, solid pro. Like, not, not a goat, but a dude who goes about his business and who's made a living in the, in the NFL, won Super Bowls. Just have the plan in place so the wheels don't fall off when Eli can't do it anymore. I think that's the perfect plan. I really do. I think, I think keep Eli because you have stability. He has played better this year. He's 38, so he's getting up there. Right. But stop ignoring, stop taking a flyer fourth or fifth round on a quarterback. Take a first round franchise quarterback. Granted, if it's the right price, you don't want to get yeah, of course. just absolutely worked over. But if you can trade up or find them in your spot, right now they are in the eighth pick of the draft. They might be able to get Dwayne Haskins at the eighth pick of the draft, and I think that's their best play because I think he's built for that market. I think what rubs me the wrong way is I feel like the Giants are like – F you to everybody. Like everybody thinks we need a quarterback. Guess what we're not going to do? Yeah. We're not going to get a quarterback. Like, and that's you what, that's that. what rubs me the wrong way right. about the way this is all played out, you know? Right. But having said that, Saquon Barkley, he's at, been, at he's number, been everywhere. He's dude, been he's, worth he's it. Been fantastic. That's what drives me like the Giants fans are like, see, we could have had, we could have had Sam Darnold who played good over the yeah, week. Okay. We could have had Josh Allen. We could have had one of these other quarterbacks. I, but you wouldn't have the rookie of the year. Exactly. the rookie of the year. Exactly. Offensive and, rookie of the year. Yeah. And he should have more longevity. Because he's, I just think he's going to be a perennial Pro Bowler, which is what you want from your second overall pick. 
I don't know if you can say the same things yet about Darnold Correct. or Rosen or any of these other quarterbacks. Correct. Maybe, but I think what you're seeing is Saquon Barkley was a lock to be that. And yep. I think that's why it was a smart pick. All right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. <laughs> NBA, I'm telling you, the drama never stops. It's always great. Um, Candace Buckner wrote a long form piece. Yeah. I think it was long enough to call it a long form on Markel Fultz and kind of what he's been through, uh, this season. Uh, the title said, from number one draft pick to basketball's biggest enigma, uh, no one knows what's up with Markel Fultz. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great headline yep. because it's very true. I think we've all been trying to figure out that. So there's some very, and a lot of it wasn't about the injury. It was more about his personal life and what's going on behind the scenes and why you might have some serious issues with yeah. the Sixers about, you know, whether you do keep him on, do you trade him, which the ownership group is very split on. There are reports in there about the relationship with his mom, who he's very close with, apparently, you know, like best friends, like sure. close. But the one thing that caught me in this article was that it talked about how close they were and how protective she was of him, that she actually had cameras installed uh, into his house in uh, Philly to keep an eye on him. Uh, which to me, that's a, that's a big red flag. Like that's that to me is look, a, uh oh, what is going on? I think you have seen, like, obviously, a lot of these athletes have had either one parent, both parents, maybe, they've been an integral part of their success. Yes. Like, and the parents have, you know, been great, and that's an awesome story. But I think you have also seen stories where parents are overbearing, and they, they become a detriment to the career. Sure. And I, that would be my concern. Like, the Sixers, they have a lot to die, to dissect in all this. And I think all of this mental stuff is, and the personal stuff is one of the things that should matter the most. Um, I agree. Look, sometimes you have kids young, right? And if you wind up raising them, you know, by yourself, they wind up becoming more of a friend, right? Like it's a relationship, more friend than, than, than authority figure. And that's okay, right? And we've seen that before in, in all sports. Like, you know, Alan, and so my, my point is when that, when the kid then gets to like stardom level, like the parent is still young enough to, to, to want to have some of the some of the fame too, like you know what I mean. They want to be in the spotlight also, and I'm okay with that. Um, but when it's time for your son or your daughter or whoever it is um, to do their job and to be in their workplace, you have to kind of remove yourself from that. Like you, you can be around and you can be a part of the show. Like you know what, Allen Iverson's mom, for example, Allen Iverson's mom was at every game. LeBron's mom at all the games, like sitting there front row, like everyone knew who they were, like. You know, it was, it was, it was a great platform. They had spotlight, but when it's time for their sons to go to work and do their job, like they're kind of hands off. When it's time for their sons to open their mouths and speak their mind, they're kind of hands off. Like when it's time for their sons to grow up and be their own men, they're hands off, right? And so I think that is the recipe. You can be involved. You can be around. If you want to soak in some of this stuff that like, that, that, that is, is around your son now, I'm all for that. But men have to be men. Like you have right. to let a grown man be a man, not just for himself. But for his peers, even like, though he's only twenty, he's like a man. 20, that's the he's thing a man. about the one and done. You do see some. They're babies, and think about how how like immature you were. Nah, dog, you're in a locker room with grown men. Yeah. So now you're a man. Like whether you're ready to handle that or not, mommy can't be handling your business for you. Like, and and to some degree, like I'll use daddy too. Like I talked about Lonzo Ball. Like my only concern with him, I didn't have any beef. With all of the theatrics. I knew he was a sideshow. He knows he's a sideshow. He's trying to build a brand. Like, I'm okay with that. But when Lonzo gets in that locker room, back up. Let Lonzo be Lonzo. Let Lonzo make the relationships with LeBron, the Kyle Kuzmas, the Brandon Ingrams. Like, you can't be in there as daddy. Like, daddy can't be, you know, babysitting Lonzo in there. Lonzo's a grown man now. And I think when you cross that line as a parent where you want to be 
in the day to day when you're trying to control what he's doing, where he's at, putting cameras in homes, like you're doing too much. I don't know their relationship, but you have to let like your kids go once they become, you know, professionals. You have to let them navigate their own way for them and for the respect of the people that they have to work with. Do you see because I think there's a really fine line you walk between being a good supportive parent and a helicopter parent where you're too involved. Sure. Cross that line. Sure. And you don't let your kid go for yourself. I also think there's an age line. Like there's an age delineation where, you know, when you're in high school, do you let, I think, I think when you get to high school as a parent, you should let the coaches coach. So this year, right? I agree with you. This year. No matter who you are, like you have the right because you're a Rajah Bell. If your kids are playing basketball, you have the right. I've, 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 I started a youth program so that I could teach my kids to play basketball the right way. Right. Right. And so I'm very involved in that process of, I, you know, I was taught well, so I want people teaching them well at what they're doing. I don't go for the daddy football where you don't know poop and right. you're trying to tell. I don't. I want them to learn the right way. Having said that, my oldest son had his first year in middle school this year. I knew the coach. Like he's a sixth grader playing seventh and eighth grade. You know, my first inclination was to go in there, watch a practice or two, see how he's doing. I had to have a conversation with myself, Raj. Don't do it. Like this has to be on his merit. Mm-hmm. Whatever he earns, whether he gets cut or not, it's his. Same thing about his playing time once he started. Like, he's got to earn it. If they think he's good enough, he'll start. If not, he'll play one minute a game. That's what he earns. It's got to be his. But this is him as an 11-year-old, Danny. So, like, I've had this conversation. I'm with you. At some point, you have to back up and let these kids figure it out on their own, right? You can't micromanage every little part of their world. There was an incident uh, going back to Fultz's senior year at DeMatha, the summer before his senior year, where his mom, Ebony, did, uh, Ebony, did not take kindly to former AAU coach Corey McRae, chastising her son after McRae had to drag Fultz out of bed ahead of a tournament game in Atlanta. Right. So it sounds to me like he had overslept. The coach goes back, gets him out, says, you're going to play. According to a f- person familiar with the incident, Ebony cursed out the coach, McRae, which several people believe caused the coach to return to Washington and quit the program. McCray declined to comment for the story. That's the type of story to me where you're too protective. If your kid slept in, he deserves to be yelled at. Yeah, he deserves to get absolutely. dragged out of bed. Now, I think or you are crossing the line. You're a parent like me, though. Like, if I'm watching a game, mm-hmm. right? I don't care if my son's 13, 14. I'm watching a game, and you're letting everybody else jack up on the court. Right. And your child makes a mistake, and then he gets reamed out or she gets reamed out. You're going to want to know, yo, dude, what's up? I just saw. Right. But if your child makes a mistake... Yeah. And is held accountable for that. Do what you got to do. By all means do it. Because I see way too many uh, parents just get too involved. They cross that line and they, it's just, it's better off. And my attitude has been those coaches, a lot of them don't do it for the money. They're doing it on a volunteer basis. Like I'm busy. I don't have time to coach every sport of my daughter. So I'm like, I'm going to respect that coach that they gave the time. So I'm going to let them do their job. So here's the deal. And this is taking this segment, but I do want to do this. Uh, because this is, I felt like that at first. And my buddy Gene Durkak told me, right, he had kids before me. He was like, look, man, if you're not going to be willing to get out there and give your time up, right, you got, you can't be over there. Yeah, that's what I, that's, and I was like, I'm with that until I watched the motivation from some parents. Like there is this thing going around now in certain like parks. I'm sure it's prevalent across yeah. the country. My kids probably not good enough unless I coach. Correct? Right. So now I coach, but it's, you're not purely like, doing anyone a favor by investing your time in this, right? Like you are doing it to protect your son's interest, right? Or your daughter's interest. There's a fundamental difference for me. Like, cause now I can say something to you, right? Like if you're just doing it, you don't have a dog in the fight. You're out there volunteering, kick back, put my feet up, dude, do what you got to do. Right. But when I see you out there plugging Johnny and Susie and, and Jacob <laughs> in where they don't belong because you're their daddy and you're coaching them. And that's why you're there to coach. 
Now I'm involved. <laughs> now you're going to go Correct. say something. Correct. I still probably wouldn't cross it. I, I, still probably, I do. Yeah. I think there becomes an age. I think you'd have to each, – each situation is different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, down. guys, let me ask you something real quick. When do you hold Markel Fultz accountable for any of this? Because he – we've never heard him speak on anything. On any of these situations, it's always been like his trainer talks or That's, his mom talks or his teammates talk. Like, Roger, you said it before. Like, he's a grown man and he I needs know. to be able That's, to do his own thing. It's just when do you start talking? Because it looked like Kawhi Leonard this year and Kawhi is, what, 27, 28, yeah. finally started to speak for himself. Now it's like when do we hold Markel Fultz accountable for what's going on in his life? It's a tough relationship between a, a young kid and his mom, though, when you're used to being – handled like that like Mm -hmm. it's not the easiest thing in the world if that's all you've got like you didn't have a dad to tell her to back up that's it that's a hard thing and i'm not saying that i know that to be a fact he reminds me a lot of derrick rose right very quiet doesn't have a lot of stuff out there on his own but his camp like is loud and his brother kind of micromanaged and derrick rose wound up getting a really weird rap like wasn't the easiest teammate for a lot of people like and maybe that's not fair so my point to you coca is like if history tells me anything, Markel Fultz needs to start speaking up now yeah. and being his own. Like you got to cut the cord to some degree. Um, and just say, Mama, I need to, I need to grow some wings. I got to get out of here. I can't imagine how tough it would be to have the conversation. I think it's really easy for us. Like when uh when Lonzo was having to deal with Lavar, everybody yeah. was like, Why doesn't he stand up to his father? Why doesn't he shut him up? Why doesn't he it's say his dad, bro? Exactly. And a lot of times it's your best friend. It's yeah, your dad, you do all a, a lot of what you've uh, obtained because of that parent, mm-hmm. whether it's your dad or your mom. Like it's in Markel Fultz. I do think at some point you have to have that really tough conversation and say, I love you. I appreciate you. I owe everything I have to you. Yeah. You've got to let me do this on Correct. your own. And hopefully the parent understands that, but they don't always and doesn't always end up that great. Sure. All right. Let's head over to Hannah for uh, Socially Relevant. No daddy ball, Hannah. <laughs> so I thought you were going to ask me about cutting the right now. I was ready to go with it. I was going to start off the segment that way, but Denny, you got nothing for me. You tease it off the no, top I'm of the show. No, I'm saving it. I'm saving it. What? I'm saving it for okay. after because one of our, our stories here involves an engagement, so it's similar. <laughs> oh, right. okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm jumping the gun here. Alright, so we start off with a story that we missed from over the weekend on Friday night at exactly 10.21 p.m. It was reported that the Wizards, the Suns, and the Grizzlies had a three-team deal in place, but then just 45 minutes later, the deal was dead due to the confusion regarding which player with the last name Brooks was included in this deal. So the the Wizards thought that they were getting Dylan Brooks, while the Grizzlies insisted that they were including Marshawn Brooks in the deal. So naturally, NBA Twitter had a heyday over this communication, miscommunication. Eventually, a deal was done on Saturday, excluding the Grizzlies altogether. So Danny and Raja, I have to ask, how does this level of miscommunication even happen? (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't know, but you were in a front office. Could you understand this happening or is um, it just, cause it sounds like a game of telephone where it's just like it goes yeah. down. It's like, Oh wait, we thought it was that Brooks. Well, wait a second. Time out. That's not the way it went. I mean, I, I guess you could, you know, I saw some people attribute it to texting. Like when I was with David Griffin and them, it wasn't, it was phone calls. Like they were communicating verbally. Um, but I guess when you're dealing with Brooks and Brooks, somebody might've just dropped the first name at some point and right. it could have been, my thing is Dylan Brooks, Marshawn Brooks, who really cares? <laughs> Like, I mean, is that, I mean, what's the difference? Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, like when I played seriously, I'll just Charlie Bell, Roger Bell, who gives a damn? Throw them both in the, throw them in the trade. Doesn't matter. Right. I'm getting Amari Stoudemire. Who cares what I get on the other right. side of it? Right. Let's just make yeah, it work. Let's just make who it work. Right. <laughs> Which they eventually did, yeah. right? Yeah. 
All right, going back to Sunday, the best play of the day wasn't exactly during a game. So Chicago Bears starting left tackle Charles Leno Jr. followed up the 24-17 win over the Green Bay Packers with a little celebration of his own. Danny, this is what you were talking about. He popped the question to his girlfriend, Jennifer Roth. She, of course, said yes. Reporters caught up with Leno after the game, asking him if he still would have proposed if the Bears had lost the game. He confidently said, quote, I knew we would win. So, guys, we've talked a ton about these in-game proposals on the show. I actually didn't think this one was that bad. Look at that blue box. You can't oh, say no. Oh, look at that. In all the cold, he's got his uh, stuff. I think it's always a bad idea to do a public engagement, whether it's on TV, in front of a crowd, a stadium. I bet that the uh, success rate of these marriages not to rain on their parade <laughs> is, is a lot less that's, successful. That's you say there's a level of pressure there? There's no, an element yeah, of exactly. pressure? There's the pressure. It's just a bad idea. Why do it in public? You don't want to air out your personal moments in public. Why do you want to do that? That's I'm not necessarily you. in public. Well, that was in front of 80,000 people <laughs> at the stadium. After the game, it wasn't like one of the, those stupid jumbotron things. Yeah, but you could have like gone packed. out and celebrated at some restaurant and had a back room, like private room, had a nice dinner and celebrated. You were at the 50 game. yard line. Like, <laughs> I feel like public. even if that's not a Tiffany's ring, if you're going to do it out there, you have to put it in a Tiffany's box. <laughs> like, you've got no choice but to like, Hey, dude, right. you're like, give me that half-assed rain. Oh, right. Brett, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, that is what <laughs> right. So it brings up my point about airing out your personal stuff in public, which is what happened to Cardi B this weekend. So we Offset, go. this is the relationship everybody's talking about. You talk about trending on Twitter. So these two were together in. for a while. Then they broke up because Cardi B, or Cardi B dumped him because he cheated on her. Then he comes out, and I get you go back. You try to get your lady back. But don't do it in public. So we did it at her concert. He had all these elaborate boxes set up behind her that said, take me back. And then he was on there and he said, take me back, bruh. Like, bruh. like what are you no. doing? She, she said, no. of course she said no. Cause she's, she's an idiot. Like, why would you do that in public? Um, dude, you're on, you hijacked her stage at her performance. Yep. Yeah. Asked for her back. Yep. Such a bad. Roger, thing. you didn't see this? Offset. Danny, I, how look, proud are you that you know all of this information? <laughs> I'm shocked. I, I am. I was all over. Twitter. That's the dude from the Migos, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you guys know I don't know anything. So I, we, Coca said if we could talk about this, if I knew all three or we all knew all three, I had to Wikipedia all of those cats. Oh, I, so you did. I did. <laughs> I, I had no idea who those cats are. It was right. Like, but seriously, you know me with Drake and coming to basketball games and acting like that is his, like, uh, stage when it's right. like that's not your stage, bro. Exactly. Like let Cardi have her thing. You want to apologize? Like find a nice intimate place in public. Apologize. Make it heartfelt. Don't come out there with the take me back, bro. Right. It made no sense. And the more the more concerned, I think it's all stage. I think it was all fake. I think this is all just to sell records to get everybody talking about them too. Yeah, it could be. I don't think it was all fake. I don't think Cardi would do anything that was fake. What we're oh, looking to do? Hannah, if, oh, but come well, on. Here's the thing. If you, first of all, he's an idiot for cheating on her. But Hannah, if you were a girl mm-hmm. and a guy cheated if on I you and you girl? dumped him. <laughs> if you were a girl <laughs> that was in a relationship, that was in a relationship and the guy cheated on you and then he wanted you back, how would you want him to approach you? Would you even give him the time of day? I have no idea. I cannot put myself in Cardi B's shoes in this situation. It's just so not Cardi even close. B. I'm sorry. Is it- all right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. Let's finish off some leftovers. So before this season, the NBA season, when LeBron signed with the Lakers, yep. I was totally wrong because I said there's no way Lonzo Ball is going to be on the team. I said LeBron's not going to play with him, with his dad overbearing him. Right. Although I was right because I do think LeBron told LeVar to shut the bleep up. Yeah. And I think he has been, for the most part, out of the scene, hasn't said anything. But also one of the reasons I felt like I said – 
LeBron and Lonzo's game don't work together because LeBron likes to have the ball in his hands and Lonzo's a facilitator himself. Sure. And I have been wrong. Like, they've actually worked this out where they both had a triple-double last night and they're actually succeeding together. Uh, part of it, part, there is a duplication of skill sets there, right? Where, where, you know, they're both playmakers to some degree. LeBron obviously a much better scorer than Lonzo. Uh, physical stature's got a lot to do with that. I mean, he's just a better player overall. But, um, when you play with pace, which the Lakers are trying to do, like I don't have their numbers in front of me in terms of where they are in pace, but at one point they were like number two and number three in the league in pace. That takes care of it, right? Because those are extra possessions. You're in transition a lot. And both of them can flourish together in transition, right? Let's say LeBron on the board, pushes it up three dribbles, makes like drops a no-look dime to Lonzo out there on the wing, right? Now Lonzo can use that same skill set to kind of one-two dribbles into the paint, no-look lob for JaVale McGee on the other end, right? So if you're in transition a lot, those duplications don't start to cannibalize each other. But when you're in the half-court set, you need the floor to be spaced, um, and either Lonzo's got to do that or LeBron's got to do that. That's when you could see those two you know, have a little bit more difficulty playing together. Uh, Lonzo, or excuse me, LeBron told the LA Times, we're one and the same when it comes to our playmaking ability. We're always looking for our teammates, and that's the greatest satisfaction we can have when we see our teammates score the ball. Uh, so definitely, they definitely have the same mi- mindset. Lonzo has now played officially 82 games, the equivalent of a full season. Uh, he's averaging 9.6 uh, points, 6.3 rebounds, 6.4 assists. How would you assess him so far? Like, is he worthy of the pick where they took him? Um, I think the jury's still out on that as of right now. Um, I've seen what Jason Tatum's doing. Um, you, know, you got Markel Fultz's situation. So I'd say Lonzo is fine there. I think Lonzo would have had a really solid um, year this year or, or a, a bounce back year, if you will. Um, but then you bring in LeBron and it takes so much off of his plate that he doesn't have the numbers that would warrant being that, what was he, the number two overall pick? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think he's still worthy. I think those numbers would be a lot better. I think that he's scoring the ball better. He's fractionally better maybe from the three-point line. He's still not shooting a great percentage. Uh, but if he had the ball in his hands all the time like he did last year, I think his numbers would be really good this year. I think the Lakers are, sp- are sitting in a much better spot today than I thought they would be coming into the season because Houston's falling apart. Like Houston does not look like the contender. Golden State's always going to be Golden State. Oklahoma City's sitting there. But right now they're in the four seed, and I think they might be the third or fourth best team in the West, which is I thought I probably would have put that down around fifth or sixth sure. in the season. So when we came in, I said a win for them this year would be to win a playoff series. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they can't be in the Western Conference Championship. You say let's take Golden State out of the equation. Right. Who else are you taking over LeBron in a seven-game series now that you know what they can look like? Right. Like, I don't care who you tell me. I mean, you got Oklahoma City. Cool. Right. I'll still take LeBron. Right. Right. You got Houston looking like they look. I'll take LeBron. Yep. You, I mean, you go down the list of teams that could potentially – the Clippers, you take the Clippers over the Lakers and LeBron? I nope. mean, on paper? Nope. You're not. So I do – look, they could be a Western Conference championship team this year. And if they're that, with that roster, you got – cap space for another max guy and you can flip some assets to do some stuff could get real interesting in LA. All right. So you can't go ahead and hijack my pick for the game. Just fade me the direct opposite. I'm going to let you pick the game first. Cause we have Monday night football. The saints are a six point favorite on the road against the Panthers who have been falling apart. Uh, Drew Brees been playing a little bit better. Uh, Cam Newton, who started out on fire, yeah. six and two, he was looking great. Looked like he was, you know, his completion percentage was up. His last three games, he's been struggling. Or excuse me, he's at zero and five it's, since they started. Uh, that's six ugly. And two. Eight interceptions, one hundred and seventy. I think he's trying to do too much. You and think I, he is? Yeah, because I mean, I think he can, but I think recently he's really tried to do too much, and I think it's really caught up to him. I think they need to get Cam some more weapons. Um, here's what I'll tell you: zero and five. I think they're too good of a team. 
to go 0 and 6. Although the Saints are really good, the numbers at six. I think the Panthers will play well. Maybe not win, but I'll take the Panthers um, to cover the spread. Maybe still lose, but to cover at home. Even though I wouldn't be surprised if they won. All right, I am going to. I agree with you on the Panthers. Except I'm going to go. Well, no, I don't. Want, I'm going to say that I'm going to take the same, even though it's totally jinxing you. Dang it, bro. Tell, but I told. I agree with you. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers won. Right. That game. Yeah. We just this NFL season has been nuts. Like I kind of follow the trend of the season. Like nobody gave the um the Eagles any chance Absolutely. whatsoever with their backup last night. Yep. I think you could see a similar type situation. It's national stage. The Panthers kind of pull it all together, and they're thinking, hey, we don't want to get embarrassed, so they could go out there. And by the way, speaking of uh, Cam Newton not playing great recently, neither has Drew Brees. Last three games, only 166 yards per game. Let's see if he can boost that up tonight. Yeah, they got to run the ball, though. Can they run it enough? Let's see. Take the Panthers, plus six.